Welcome to Painters Today. My name is Lucy Cox and in conjunction with the Prizeman Seabrook Collections, I will be presenting a series of podcasts featuring contemporary artists active in the United Kingdom today. You can subscribe to these podcasts via SoundCloud and my blog, the links to which can be found in the description. For more information regarding the Prizeman Seabrook Collections, visit prizemanseabrook.org. This is episode two, Process and Rituals, featuring Susan Gunn. Congratulations on your recent residency in China, and that was at the, remind me, at the... Uh, that the was at the um, China Academy of Arts yeah, in Hangzhou, yeah. um, near Westlake, mm-hmm. um, beautiful part of China, um, and really um, a fantastic experience. Mm, wow. And what did you do there? Because I know you, um, didn't you do some workshops? Yes, some of the so students it was an international workshop. Basically, and I think the, um, the the people at the China Academy were really interested in my work because they're interested in the kind of history and the craft element um, to what I do. And essentially, I suppose the Jesso ground is, um, although it does date back to medieval times, it's essentially a Renaissance. It, um, it was developed during the Italian Renaissance as a ground to paint on mm-hmm. um, and, and this is kind of the basis of my work but I also use it um, in a contemporary way um, to create cracks and fissures in the surface so I suppose it's that embracing embracing the kind of history and the craft but um, making something in a contemporary way and something quite innovative mm. so that those were the kind of elements that really excited them and um, I went out to do um, a gesso masterclass workshop. Mm, wow, wow. And uh, would you go back there again, do you think? Oh, yes, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And I think um, it was quite daunting um, that the prospect of traveling, you know, by myself as well. But mm. um, I was really well taken care of and uh, really, really enjoyed my visit and, um, and you know, meeting artists and and students in China. Mm. That's what I found as well. Um, I kind of found that there was a common bond between 
me and Freya who, who also went out to China and, mm. and the artists and even though there was this language barrier that there was this still this language of painting that we could all appreciate and um, yeah it was just it was just really nice to go to somewhere just sort of different really yes yes and and also um, since I returned to the UK I think you can try and explain and um, relay what kind of experience you've had mm. but you can't really put it into words it's something you do have to um, to experience for yourself, you know the the vastness of the country and the you know the enormity of of kind of the whole the whole thing really. Mm. Mm. Um, so tell me more about your painting, uh, Black Gesso Study uh, Space Four from two thousand and eight. Mm -hmm. um, that painting's in the Prizeman Seabrook collection. Uh, I think it's quite a small painting, isn't it? Or is it quite? Yes, big? it yeah, is. It was. It was made for the um, my solo exhibition at Norwich Castle Museum and Art Gallery, which opened in 2008 mm. and um, through to 2009. Um, so it was a series of works made for that show. Um, and it was made from kind of my signature pigment, which is, is something that I, I use um, again and again and, and always go back to is this um, the idea of the ground coal and the dust, the black dust, it's such a light porous um, pigment to use but it's got superb qualities so um, I divided the, the painting um, with a vertical division as I do a lot of my works um, and one half of, of the um, of the painting was built up in layers and the gesso was allowed to dry out and crack mm. um, and what the lamp black pigment has is that wonderful metallic quality to the to the surface um, and there's no wax or any kind of medium on top of the pigment it's just purely rubbed with water and raw canvas to to get the kind of marble quality mm. um, but because of the high oil content in the pigment itself um, you get that kind of um, resonance and that kind of i think multi-colored um, reflections in in the in the pigment although it's black it's mm. it's it's a unique black mm. what i find so interesting about your practice and how you use those kind of materials is how human-like your um, your sort of paintings are because um, I know um, in an interview that I read that, that you were talking to Robert Priceman or someone you were saying that you don't see them as abstractions you know you see them yes. as reflections or mirrors of our lives you know of your life yes and and I was thinking and I was reading a really interesting um, interview today, and I think, I think in the Tate magazine, and they were talking about um, you know the flesh in painting mm. and how artists use oils to um, to to sort of mirror the you know the likeness of skin. Mm. And I think that your paintings do reflect that in a different way through through the materials that, that you use. So so the mm. cracks of the gesso almost look like cracks of skin. You know the slipperiness of the oil. Mm. You know the lamp oil look look almost like sort of slippery, mm. slippery skin. So right. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I wrote a poem many many years ago. Um, and I re 
read it on occasion, but it was really um, when I first went to art school. It was it was a poem relating a journey, and it was my journey to um, through the country roads um, to visit my daughter's grave, mm. um, and um, it was quite poignant because these gargoyles on the church were kind of guarding guarding the churchyard and the pine needles and, and, and it, it, all this kind of symbolism in the poem and it ended by me polishing the gravestone um, to make it you know gleaming and, and, and pristine mm -hmm. which is is um, what Gaston Bachelard says we do um, when we're cleaning we kind of impart dignity to a surface um, so that book, The Poetics of Space, has been quite um, an important influence on my thinking. Mm. Um, and I like that idea that by, by attending a surface, um, by, feeding, by feeding it with waxes or oils, by kind of laboriously um, kind of um, attending to it, that you impart dignity to it. And it, it's a kind of memoriam in a sense, mm. but it also has a life of its own mm. because each work is unique and, and quite different. Mm. Mm. It's almost like a ritual then for you. Yes, Every, every painting become, becomes sort of like a ritual. Um, I don't want to sound too, too religious, but yes. it's almost... In a non-religious sense, yes, I think, yes. in, in a humane sense, mm, as it yes, were. Yes. Uh, the idea that the, the pigments that I use, like the, the calcium carbonate, the, the, ground, um, the ground coal, and the idea that you know, these pigments are made from sedimentary rock, which is made up of marine organisms and shit. Mm. For me, it's got some kind of earth earthy quality to it mm. um, it's kind of it, it, I suppose in the Bible you know if you go to a funeral they say ashes to ashes dust to mm. dust and that idea of recycling of recycling the earth mm. is, is, is quite uppermost in my thinking as mm. well um, and in a sense not, not also not always in a morbid sense but in a sense that it's recycling, it's reinventing mm. something and it's about survival and mm. it's about revival and um, reinvention. Mm. Mm. That's really interesting because I know in your work you've often referenced the Renaissance or you've, you know, you've said about the Renaissance and of course the term Renaissance means rebirth and mm. reinvention. So I can see that as well in your work when you talk about recycling, mm. uh, reinvention. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that in your work, I think, in terms mm. of the Renaissance, in terms of a kind of a rebirth that's yes. going to happening in your work. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, and also, I suppose, the labour, the actual labour itself, mm. which is um, it's quite a kind of... Um, I wouldn't say boring, but it, it's a laborious process that I use of, of, of relaying the layers and painting and rubbing. Um, but that, in a sense, is where, um, as an artist, I get lost in, in the process. And it, it kind of becomes, as you say, a, a form of ritual. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. And in a lot of your paintings, you have this divide, this line that cuts through the centre. Um, are, are they two canvases that have been pushed together, or are they, or is it one 
often one one canvas. It's always one canvas. Yeah. Um, that is divided. Um, mostly down the middle, or I, you know, I have done offset vertical divisions, um, but it's mostly vertical, and um, I, I kind of explore um, different uses of geometry, but find myself returning to the single division. Mm. Um, I think the sim for me, um, the vertical line. I like the way it takes your eye off off the painting, so it brings your eye. For me, um, it elevates the eye because, mm. um, and also, um, it may be really silly of me, but I think the the vertical as um, a, as alive, as life, and mm. um, the horizontal line mm. for me represents um, a kind of division or an mm. ending mm. rather than a con continuation okay okay so it's like the opposite to the Tao which is the you know the two opposites yin and yang for you it's like, yes. an, like an ending but an ending of what though no an ending. it's a it's a it's a beginning the, I see the horizontal yes. as an ending yes but I see the vertical as as ongoing mm. okay as uh, open-ended mm. okay okay wow and I know um, that in a lot of Renaissance paintings, um, there's this idea of like space and symmetry, um, and maybe the, you know, the the strive for um, perfection in mm. you know symmetry. But for you, I, I think that, um, that there was that essay that Robert Pleisen wrote um, for you, for your for your show at, at the Crypt in 2012. It was called the beauty of Im imperfections, mm -hmm. and I think that you're using symmetry in that way, that it's not it's not strive for perfection, but it's embracing the imperfections of life. Of course, and and what I find is with the strict geometry, mm. it's um, to do something simply um, and do it well mm. um, is actually a lot more difficult than to have lots of divisions and you know your eye goes everywhere. But mm. to have one simple line is perfectly vertical and then um, so that that is really the only control I have in the process but then for me it kind of really resonates how imperfect the surfaces are because they overspill the geometry I can't contain the fissures mm. um, even though each each um, part of the canvas is painted at different times as the paintings dry out, some of the cracks overspill and they kind of meet, and sometimes they don't. Mm. Um, for me, that's you know the exciting part of the mm. work mm. because I can't control it. Mm. Mm. And where do you find a lot of your geometries? Because you haven't just got lines; you've also got um, stripes. You've got um, a kind of a grid, mm -hmm. like sort of checkered grid. You've also got. Um, triangles as well, like very sharp edge yes. triangles. So where, so where do you do you find those? Do they come from your mind, or do they come from other cert certain things? Um, I have studied um, the idea of the golden section and sacred geometry, mm, yes. and that's something that's really of interest to me. Um, but when I make when I make my paintings, um, to begin with, I draw them. Um, on graph paper and plan them. Mm. It's really um, my knowledge is obviously in, in ingrained, but 
I tend to um, make the shapes intuitively. Wow, yeah. Um, mm. And then kind of go from there. Yeah, that's a similar way to me um, in, in a lot of my paintings. Um, the geometry is it's kind of a mixture of in, intuitive mm. and uh, things that are pre-planned. Pre mm. So it's a kind of similar way of working. Um, mm. And it's kind of breaking up that uh, those strict rules of geometry, I think, sometimes. Yes, yes. sometimes subverting it, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, and to, to begin with, when I first started using the geometry, I, I hadn't really studied the golden section mm. or sacred geometry. And I remember being at art school with this, um, with a, a really charming guy who'd previously been an architect and mm. was studying fine art. And he said to me, my dear, your grasp of the golden section is amazing. <laughs> and I didn't even know what it was at that point. But um, since I have obviously um, become very familiar with it, mm. but it's quite interesting that in a sense I was, I was using it intuitively before I knew, you know, about yeah. the actual content. Mm, that's interesting. And do you think as well that stems from, because I know you, you were a, um, a, was it a fashion designer or, or you designed dresses, didn't you? So you have that kind of sense of design in yes. your mind as well. Maybe that came through when you were at art school. So, so you were kind of able yes. to use that, yeah, because um, you had that had that pre previous knowledge. Yeah, um, I I dropped out of art school. I did A levels and went to art school to do a foundation course mm. with a view to going to university when I was younger. Yeah, um, and um, for many reasons, mainly because my parents. Um, I come from a very working class background. Mm. They didn't appreciate the idea of me going to university to study fine art. Mm. Um, my father said there's no bloody money in that caper. And um, so I began to, um, to, to work. I worked as a, a fashion model and then I was always very creative because my mother was a dressmaker. So I began to make wedding dresses and clothes and I started my own business which was actually quite successful and um, and because I kind of missed my opportunity to go to art school it, it satisfied my creative urges because I was creating yes. things mm. Um, mm. and then obviously you know a few years down the line I kind of had the opportunity to follow my dream mm. and, and, and do my fine art degree so that was great because I think as an artist you do mature and also um, your life experiences is very much you know what you draw on with your kind of inspiration. Mm -hmm. I that's quite interesting because I, I have a similar um, similar experience so I, I left school at 16 um, and I always had an interest in art um, but I didn't really know how to pursue it um, and I left school at 16 and I just started working as a as a checkout chick <laughs> mm. and um, and five years down the line um, I was thinking what, what am I what am I doing and you know I've, I mean I really like art so um, so I left I left Sainsbury's and then I uh, I didn't have A-levels so I had to do what you did mm. and I did a foundation diploma and mm. then went on to Kingston College and sort of did it from there so mm. Um, so I know how you feel, you know, sort of going from trying to strive for your, for your dreams. Really. Yes, yeah. And, yeah. and I think going back to college, going back when I was 22, mm. um, 
I had a more of a mature head on my yes. shoulders, let's say. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you, um, well, I certainly felt that I had a second chance to do what I really wanted to do and I remember being you know buying the caretakers chocolates for Christmas and because <laughs> I was always the first in the building the last out of the building because I was just you know had all this creativity and, mm. and urge to to make mm. to make paintings um it was not the best years some of the best years of my life wow it was great mm. wow and you studied a Bachelor of Honours in Fine Art? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was at the University of Norwich? Yeah, Norwich, Norwich University. Norwich University. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing, Susan. Yeah, that's great. In a sense, I was lucky that I had done my A-levels, so I got that far. Yeah. So, um, although although it was it was fairly daunting going back to, to study, I did my foundation year again that yeah. I... Um, done at Bolton Art School yeah so I did my foundation year at, at Norwich and then I yeah. also did the degree so I was like studying for four years mm, um, yeah. but yeah it was the best time yeah yeah, yeah I think so yeah I mean I, I did a foundation diploma for a year then I did a foundation degree for two years because um, I, I did apply to like Chelsea and Wimbledon at that time and I think Central St Martins and Goldsmiths, but I didn't get in, unfortunately. Mm. So I had, so I went to Kingston College and I did a foundation diploma, sorry, a foundation degree for two years. Then mm. I went to Wimbledon for another two years, and then I went and did my master's degree. Mm. So again, I a little bit like you, I've kind of been. Yeah. It's quite a long time, quite a long time, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. There's no turning back now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, wonderful. Um, so one of my favourite paintings of yours is um, called Where Are We Now? Oh, which right. is yes. uh, after, n named after the David Bowie uh, mm. song. So tell me a little bit more about that. What inspired you from, from that song? Yes. Um, that painting was made um, for the inaugural um, Greater Manchester Art Prize. Mm -hmm. um, and I was wasn't in this studio I was just across the way actually um, at um, Studi Manchester Artists Studio Association mm. and um, I'd always been um, interested in Tony Ursula's work and I'd seen having seen an exhibition of his at the Hayward a number of years ago um, it, his work is has always been of interest and I've always been a massive David Bowie fan and I love his music um, and there's something quite melancholic about this song, Where Are We Now? Um, so I was interested to read actually Helen Pitt, who, who's the um, garden correspondent um, for um, Germany, was in Berlin for a secondment. And she wrote, she wrote this really interesting narrative and it was about, it was about um, in the song, uh, Where Are We Now? And and in, in the film that uh, Tony Ursula makes to go to to go with these words, um, the film takes you through the back streets of Berlin, and mm -hmm. this was a kind of part of Bowie's creativity, where a lot of his material was written in artist squats and artist communities, and and then this kind of <laughs> melancholic. Um, resonance of how it, it kind of changed over the years and the you know the artists have been driven out to a certain extent um, 
and and you know is it was kind of really a comment on the gentrification of Berlin mm. um, and what I thought what I found was I I kind of felt it was happening in Manchester because um, I had this idea to make this um, grid grid like um, painting um, for me the the, the vertical and, and horizontal divisions was like a longitude and latitude. So it was mm. kind of mapping, mapping my place in the artist community. And um, and I made these um, series of squares, which was was then kind of taken off the the support and completely um, um, rolled, screwed up. You know, having spent weeks and weeks building up these perfect squares. I took the canvas off and kind of destroyed it, but mm. the grid was still intact. Um, and what I do with a lot of my works that when the when the cracks and fissures go beyond um, stability, I can mend them with an encaustic wax, which is a hot wax that's burnt into the mm. into the surface. So unlike a lot of my works where the cracks happen accidentally. Um, although I provoke them, but I don't kind of have a hand in them. With this work, for the first time, I'd, I'd literally broken the canvas manually. So it was a slight departure and a slight experiment, but it's something which I thought, you know, it actually made my heart beat faster because, you know, I'd spent weeks on this painting and making these beautiful squares, but I was about to destroy it. But it's something that I found quite exciting. Um, and then the process of, of kind of restretching it again, mm -hmm. um, and the the kind of um, the sadness in the broken elements, I thought were quite beautiful. So, yeah, it was just about experimenting with the process really, and um, mm. and the yeah the idea of gentrification and. Um, yeah, the sadness of being moved on, mm. which mm. again is happening to me. It's happening now, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So, so the studio, uh, the studio that you're in now, um, in the centre of Manchester, is going to be closing shortly, isn't it? Yes. So, it's so in that August. painting that you made is almost well, it's really poignant mm. and now. Mm. Um, so, do you know where you're moving currently? I don't. know. Yeah. I've yeah. been to see. Um, a number of studios and kind of had different conversations but I uh, haven't got anywhere mm. yet mm. that's suitable. Mm. Which other artists kind of inspire you or, or you know in terms of poets or yes. musicians, mm. other painters perhaps? Um, I love the work and I've always been inspired by Callum Innes who I was fortunate when I first graduated. I was nominated for an Arts Council Escalator Award, mm -hmm. um, which involved the Arts Council and commissions these supporting me artistically and professionally. And I was able to do like a series of mentoring um, workshops with Callum. So um, it was amazing to meet, you know, the artists who you kind of look up to and and, and see his studio and. I did learn quite a lot of kind of mm. um, things mm. from him, and mm. you know, was really admired how meticulous yeah. he, he is. With and he uses and he uses um, pigments and materials, right? 
He uses yeah. oils, oils yeah. yeah, oils mm. and watercolour as mm. well, canvas and works on paper. Um, in fact, from a modernist sense, to look at his work, you unless you've kind of seen paintings in the flesh, you may think my work is quite similar, mm. but only in the sense that it's a geometric, there's a attention to the geometry, but really um, my work is totally different, but um, in in a in a different way, you mm. know. So um, I I like his work. He's been um, an influence. I also love the work of um, an artist, um, Roger Ackling, who was a tutor at Norwich University of the Arts. He's um, sadly no longer with us, but he made these beautiful kind of um, pieces, wooden paintings using the sunlight. Mm -hmm. and that kind of elemental quality to his work was, um, I find really interesting. And the work of Richard Long, because it's like connection to the earth and this connection to nature and um, the environment and how things happen naturally. Mm. Mm. Um, Sean Scully, love mm. his work. Yes. Um, mm. Especially, you know, the, the works and his use of colour. Mm. Um, mm. Barnett Newman. Yeah, Blinky mm. Palermo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love I love looking at art and mm. appreciating art. Yeah. Um, and I think mm. as humans, we have influences from from all kinds of you know not just other artists, but just things we see. Mm. Um, mm. It's it's always good to look. Mm, I think so. Uh, and in terms of colour, you you know you've got some colourful works here in your studio. Uh, one which I do recognise. Um, which in the title is called Acid Yellow, which mm. is Acid Yellow, and you've got another one here, which is a quite a deep red. You, you did say it was a it was a particular. It's a carmine pigment. Yeah. Carmine. Yeah. 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 And you showed me earlier some uh, experiments, which were like an ultramarine, like royal, very vibrant blue. Mm. Uh, but most of your work seem to be quite sort of muted, um, monochromatic. There's some like greys, and mm. um, there's this one over there, which is a kind of got elements of gold leaf which is also beautiful um do you think that you'll do more colorful works in the future or do you think that, that you'll stick to to your more kind of muted yes muted I, I think um i think i can can feel myself drawn to experimenting with more color mm. um i seem to have quite a black period <laughs> that lasted yeah. forever yes um, yeah. and then actually my most recent um, is a white. I've used lots of white and I've been interested in the white um, pigment. Um, so yeah, I, I am due to experiment with more colour. Mm, mm, yeah, and mm. it's quite interesting how it's not just the colour itself, but the texture of the pigment is different, um, you know, between the colours and they don't all behave the same. Mm. Um, it's not just like adding a dye or anything, the actual makeup of the of the powder of the dust mm. of the raw pigment is, is different so mm. it's always um it's always interesting to experiment with mm. new color mm. and tell me more about your your processes um how, how do you begin mixing the pigments how do you um sort of divide the um the sort of surface and canvases what kind of processes do you, do you actually go through to 
you know, to make your surfaces? Um, so, yeah, I make a series of drawings mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and then I draw whatever um, lines on mm -hmm. the canvas. Yeah. And then um, whatever area I'm, I'm working on, I will mask off with a number of layers of masking tape. Mm. Um, and then I will um, make um, make the surface by um, mixing the gesso, which is a combination of a gelatin binder and raw pigment. Mm -hmm. So it's a traditional way of making rabbit skin mm. glue and, and gesso. Um, it's nothing like anything you buy in the pots that are acrylic based, I, I have to say, because mm. I find nowadays that artists are saying gesso and it's come in a pot or something and mm. it bears no resemblance uh, to the yeah. real kind yeah. of traditional mm. way of making it. Mm. Um, so I make the, I make the, the, the gesso uh, by incorporating the calcium carbonate into the rabbit skin glue or the gelatin binder as it is. Um, and that's um, then sieved through through a process to to kind of um, weed out the impurities and um, and then it's painted on in layers. Um, that's in the case of the white surfaces of the white grounds mm -hmm. with the colours. I just simply replace the calcium carbonate with raw pigment. So certainly in in the coloured works, you you really do get a really massively high concentration of pure colour in with the binder, which. Um, makes the kind of resonance and makes the colour vibrate to the eye um, mm. which isn't always um, transferable in a photograph or on screen but in real life you can you know when there's light on the surface you can really see the intensity yeah. of the colour. Yeah and how long have you been using these kind of processes since, since you were at art school? Yeah. Um, who, who taught you that kind of way of working, those kind of ways of working? Yes well I looked at this um, we had various reading lists and book lists when I was um, beginning on foundation um, and I looked at this book that was kind of a, a staple for many artists and was nicknamed the, the Artist Bible <laughs> which is the Ralph Mayer book of materials mm. and techniques so um, I kind of really enjoy it was like reading a cookery book mm. um, I just like wow. the idea I like looking at the ingredients and 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 the makeup of the different paints and techniques I could use. Mm. Um, and something about the gesso ground really, I don't know, just, just it's like looking through a recipe book and you just open a page and something mm. really resonates. Mm. It just sounded really primitive. Mm. Um, it sounded very primitive and it sounded, um, I, I loved the idea that I could actually mix um, mix a mixture and use the same recipe as like Leonardo da Vinci had done like hundreds of years before mm. um, and I love the fact that um, that was kind of a piece of history that I could repeat so mm. to begin with I didn't really go into it with any any kind of other expectations other than to make the gesso ground and to paint on it some imagery or whatever I'd been working on mm. Um, so I made up these gesso grounds and, and I did paint on them and I kind of didn't, I, th I didn't like the paintings, I just thought God, it was just so much more beautiful before mm. I painted on it, I just, I just got, became besotted with the surface, it was like a marble kind of soft 
cold, um, beautiful surface, but yet kind of warm and porous. Um, and then as I continued to, to, to make these batches of um, gesso, I mean, I wasn't taught. I had to basically use the workshop and experiment myself. Um, but some of my experiments kind of went wrong and um, they peeled off and, um, and came off the supports off the canvas, um, which I thought actually it was a mistake, but it was quite interesting. And I th then began to think how I could, you know, temper the, the mixture and, and experiment more with the, with the cracks. Which which is what I did really, and you know I've been doing um, I've been doing that now for like fifteen years, wow. but I always learn something more about the mixture, about mm. the t you know even even now it's just all always surprising. Mm. And have you encountered any surprises sort of recently, like in the last couple of years, with your materials? I have yes, there's a piece I made. Um, I, I was experimenting um, by using layers of marble dust and, and different kind of um, substances in with the gesso um, between layers and, and some of the, some of them, um, although the, the fissures happened in the surface, parts of the surface were unstable and fell off. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, have, I kind of do try to keep it fresh by experimenting with different kind of um, different combinations. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and I noticed as well that some of your works are like huge, you know, almost like really big, and some of them are really, really sort of tiny, you know, re really small. Yeah. Again, that's what I like about your work is that you've got these different, different scales, and yet the both of the sizes, all the sizes that you use, are so engaging, mm. and you can see so many layers, you know, within them. And I even saw um, some works that you did. I think it was for the sovereign art, um, for the sovereign painting prize yes. back in two thousand and five. They were they were huge. Yes. All, like, but you know, sort of bigger than the yeah. than the average, you know, size of a person. Yeah, I think they really there big. was two two paintings with a kind of zip like gap between them, mm. um, and uh, they were the whole dimensions of them were eight foot high by five foot wide, so which would be eight foot by ten foot, mm. um, and and yeah, I mean, if if it, if I if I could work every day on a large scale that's what I would do but quite often when you're working on a large scale it's quite because it's process based it, it's quite in you know some of the large pieces um, can take weeks or months to complete so mm. it's quite nice to work on some small pieces at the same time just so you have that that sense of completion mm. um, which is always satisfying mm. Mm. Wow. And tell me about uh, the show you were in last year. Uh, was it called Material Matters? Mm -hmm. And that was a group show. Was it a group show mm -hmm. at the uh, the Soul Hay Soul Hay Gallery in, yeah. in Manchester? Tell, tell me more about that. Like, what kind of um, what sort of ideas was were behind the show, and, and who who also showed in it apart from yourself? 
Um, well, Solhay Galleries is a new, kind of a fairly new gallery that's so only mm -hmm. been open in Manchester for around a year. Yeah. And that's run by um, actually um, collectors themselves, hmm. um, Ian, and, Ian and Catherine Hay. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they come at the gallery, it's a commercial gallery, but they come with a sense of collecting mm. um, and they show artists of interest to them. Um, and they basically um, invited me to show in this exhibition um, material matters. Um, so it was by invitation of the curators that I was showing in that. And they just um, selected work for my studio to go oh and wow, show. Wow, and you've got a solo show coming up in May, haven't you, as well? Is it a solo show you've got coming up? I have, yeah, yes, that's yeah. going to be at home in Manchester. Oh, now, wow. this is quite special. Um, last year I was selected for um, an artist development programme with Mark Devereux Projects, mm. which involved a two-week intensive um, series of mentoring sessions, seminars and um, work, which was um, a course and it was based at Old Granada Studios in the St John's area of mm -hmm. Manchester. Mm -hmm. So um, it was, I always think it's as an artist, no matter how kind of developed you are or how, how long you've been practicing, it's always good to, to question and um, develop again, you know, and, and re reassess your, your practice. So it was really interesting. I met some great mentors and people um, during the two weeks. Um, and I actually became quite interested in um, developing my work or experimenting further with the actual site of my pigment or my earth. And um, what I've done is I've gone through various permissions to get um, to harvest some ground from the site of old Granada Studios in the St John's area of Manchester. Now, old Granada Studios is the site of an immense kind of legacy of create creativity from Coronation Street to lots of programs and kind mm. of you know um, in history um, that's kind of fairly well known in Manchester. Um, and on this site, which is owned by Allied London, is going to be a new visionary arts um, venue called the Factory, um, and it's designed by these amazing architects and. Um, on the site of a, an old kind of um, pinpoint of creativity. So my idea was to um, to harvest the ground from the site, from the cobbles, from the concrete. Um, and um, I've done that and I've had the earth and the ground and the stone go through a mechanical process with a civil engineer. Um, and that's going to be, um, I'm going to use that to make to make work which will obviously reference this particular site in Greater Manchester. So for me, as I've told you before, it's it's emphasising that literal element to the work, mm. um, emphasising that it's it's a recycling, um, it's a reinvention, and kind of an acknowledgement of history, but. Um, but really embracing the future and embracing, you know, 
reinvention. Mm. So um, I can't tell you exactly what the work will look like because it's all in the experimental stages at the moment, but um, that is the work that I'll be showing. Um, I will show um, a kind of significant large piece and then my idea is to make a series of maquettes paintings like drawing type paintings mm. um, which I hope in the future I may be able to make into large works um, so there'll be a series of experimental um, small paintings and then kind of one one larger work wow uh, it's really ambitious. Yeah. It is ambitious, yeah. and it's ambitious in the time scale yeah. as well. Because with the kind of uh, permissions that I've had to kind of um, secure, um, and the time involved in kind of delivering the the the, the earth and retrieving it, um, yeah, it's it's all been quite a quite an involved process, but. Uh, hopefully it'll be worth it. Wow. Congratulations, Susan. Thank you. It's very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Anyway, thank you very much, Susan. Thank, thank you. you. And good luck with your upcoming show. Thank you. Send me an invite. And I'll, I will. Uh, will, and you I'll come, will you come and see it? Uh, yes, I will. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to come back to Manchester. Instagram at 23carousels and post with the hashtag painters today.